Welcome back to Man in the Stand, uh, Season uh, 1, Episode Number 2. Uh, welcome, William. How are you? Very well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, too. I'm very well, too. Yeah, thank you very much for asking and for joining me. Uh, so um, let's just, uh, I think, uh, crack on into the week that was uh, and uh, and have a look through some of the, th- uh, of the sporting's goings-on. Uh, very proud to announce this week that we have uh, a, a sponsor with us now, Star Sports, uh, the gentleman's bookmaker. If you want to be treated like an individual and and uh, and actually um, instead of a number, maybe have it, give Star Sports a go. Uh, they're an excellent um, bookmaker offering an individual service. And uh, look up them up on www.starsports.bet. Um, William. Uh, you, the political um, uh, analyst, betting analyst for Star Sports, is there anything uh, interesting on the political front before we sort of get into anything sporting this week? Yeah, um, lots and lots of money on Trump not to be convicted in his impeachment trial. We've laid £105,000 in total, um, all within the last few days. Um, and we keep seeing big bet after big bet come in for it. So we are now best price 13 to 1 that he does get convicted. Um, wow. And we're a mega short price that he doesn't. That's interesting. Uh, I, I would, I would, I think he will get convicted, but I hope, what do I know? I, I, don't, I don't know much about politics, but that, that seems, uh, that seems mighty tasty odds to me. So um, that's very interesting. Yeah. Um. Let's talk uh, about the world of sport and what's happened in another huge week this week. Uh, let's start with the NFL. Uh, I thought as a, a cracking a, a couple of games uh, in the weekend. What, what did you think, William? Yeah, for was an absolutely brilliant weekend. Um, we, we've been lucky for the last few weeks. We've had really, really exciting sporting events over the last few weekends to keep us all going. And Lord knows we need it. Hmm. Mm. So let's look at the first one, uh, the the, uh, the NFC, uh, uh, sorry, the AFC Championship, which was the uh, the, the Packers and um, and the uh, sorry, I'm, I'll start again. Let's look at the NFC Championship, the first game, which was the Buccaneers and the Packers. So that was at Lambeau Field, so home ground advantage for the Packers. Um, Aaron Rodgers in the driving seat for the um, Packers um, and the amazing Tom Brady in the driving seat for the Buccaneers at quarterback. And uh, I, I actually picked the Packers to win this. Um, I thought that they were going to be uh, too good um, for the Buccaneers, but I can't believe this guy, Tom Brady. He is absolutely amazing and steered um, the Buccaneers to a 31-26 win. Um, what, what did you think of the game, William? Um, for it was a brilliant game. I've always been a huge fan of the NFL playoffs. I think that actually they're much the best thing about the NFL. I really get excited for playoff season, wild cards, divisionals, and of course the championship games. Um, it'll be one of those games which, like so many in the playoffs, will always leave you wondering what if? Because I do wonder, even though I don't think it would have changed the result, what if um, Aaron Rodgers had run in that late <coughs> chance for a touchdown rather than going for the field goal? Uh, yeah. do, do you think he had the pace to make it? Yeah, I, I I thought he had the chance to make it as well, and I and I and I I think that that was a miscalculation by Matt Lafleur to to take the field goal uh, instead uh, on that fourth down instead of um, put it into Rogers' hand one more time. Um, so 
I, I, uh, I thought it was really interesting in that game. Everyone's waxing lyrical about Tom Brady, and, and so they should. But Tom Brady got picked three times in the, late in the second half in that game. So three times uh, the Packers came up with the ball uh, uh, from a Tom Brady throw. And three times they failed to convert those opportunities. And that, I think, speaks volumes for the Buccaneers' defence. Um, because the Packers have been absolutely incredible all year in terms of uh, uh, their running backs uh, and, uh, and, um, and, and Rodgers in the front. And yet they could not seem to, to, to get a, a first down for love nor money towards the end of the game because the Buccaneers were just imperious in, in their defence. They shut um, Rodgers down, they shut his runners down and... Um, I thought there was a couple of really critical moments in the game. I thought when uh, I'm sorry, I don't, I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, when they went for the extra point after the touchdown, uh, and I, I would have gone for the, they went for the two points instead of def, um, instead of the conversion. I think that was a mistake. I, sh- I think there was time in the game still. I think you take the extra point and you press on. They went for the two. And I thought, well, actually, they're going to prove me wrong here because all the guy has to do is catch the ball. And when when Rogers slung it to him, he slung it right to his numbers, right to the chest, and he dropped it cold. And that was huge. I think that sucked a lot of air out of the Packers. Yeah. And um, and and I think it gave the uh, the Bucks a, a bit of belief. But I mean. The Packers were coming home like a, like a train towards uh, in, 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 this, in the third quarter, uh, and I thought, "Hang on, this is uh, this is going to be a late rallying finish for Aaron, Aaron Rodgers." But he just couldn't get it done because I don't think the Bucks let him get it done, and I think they, we've got to credit to everyone's. As I say, talks about Tom Brady. Yep, brilliant, amazing. But I think the coaching staff of the Bucks have got to be given credit for the team that they've amassed around Tom Brady as well. Do you know? Yeah, I agree with all of that. I mean, it's pretty remarkable efforts um, to get the Bucks to that level. I know, obviously, Brady would have had a big impact, but um, the Bucks have seemingly, and this is of course from the eye of an unseasoned NFL observer, but they appear to have come from the dark completely in terms of <coughs> now being a championship-winning side. It really is quite something, and um, I, I agree. Yeah, so, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, a lot of credit is owed to plenty of people there, I'm sure. Yeah. And I watched them get absolutely smoked by the New Orleans Saints in the regular season. Only about a month, five weeks ago, um, they got absolutely hammered by the Saints. Uh, the Bucks got completely torn apart by New Orleans. And I thought, well, that team is awful. And, and Brady is doing well to just, you know, get them limping towards, you know, the end of the season. And, and here they are. Here's some interesting things about Tom Brady. He is in line to win a seventh Super Bowl title, uh, which uh, you know, he will he will start in his, in his tenth Super Bowl. No other quarterback has started more than five Super Bowls. So this guy is starting in his tenth, and he's about and he's in line to win his seventh, which is you know this guy is absolutely incredible. He's played in more um, uh, conference championships. Um, and that is, he has played in 26. No, sorry, sorry, I'll start that again. He has played in more conference championships than 26 NFL franchises. So, uh, I mean, the, the stats on this guy are just mind boggling. Um, but 
you know, uh, let's let's turn our attention to to the, to the actual team he actually has to come up against, which uh, was the Kansas City Chiefs, um, uh, run by Patrick Mahomes uh, at quarterback, who overcame the Bill, uh, Buffalo Bills 38-24 with Josh Allen. What did you think of this, William? I have to admit a personal siding here because I was very disappointed that the Bills didn't get to the Super Bowl. It, it never looked likely after um, Travis Kelsey went beast mode went, um, and did a yeah. Frankel. Didn't he just? Um, yeah. But the better side um, won and did so pretty easily. In the end, the Bills had a great start. I was really hoping they'd maintain it um, because I just love the Bills Mafia. Uh, I think they're the best thing about the NFL, hands down. I think they're the best thing about American sport, hands down. But unfortunately, that doesn't decide football games. And once the Chiefs got rolling, nobody could really stop them. I, I don't know if there is a side in the entire NFL capable of stopping the Chiefs. Um, and, and for all that the Buccaneers deserve great credit, um, you look at what they can do, um, not only in terms of their attacking play, but the intensity of it, um, the pace of it, the sheer mm. yardage per play. And I don't really know if any team can stand up to that sort of punishment. No, I agree with you. Patrick Mahomes does things at quarterback that no other quarterback does, like uh, these cheeky little underhand passes. He, I really love watching Patrick watching Patrick Mahomes play because because of the way that he breaks the rules and the conventions that quarterbacks seem to be uh, uh, programmed to play in. And, and they're obviously programmed because they, you know, they, they're drilled to within an inch of their lives, every player knowing exactly where they have to be at exactly which time for the ball to arrive. I get all of that. But what I love about Mahomes is the fact that he just at times rips up the playbook and plays on instinct and does things that you and no one else is expecting him to do. And 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 I, I just love to watch that. That's so refreshing to see um, the guy's an absolute freak of nature. He was, he was a very talented baseballer in his young days as well. Um, you know, his, son, his father was a major league baseball player himself. So the guy's got great sporting progeny. Um, and, and, and those players around him, as you say, Travis Kels, who's just a beast, is a great word for him. Tyreek Hill, the running back, um, who is mesmerizingly quick and, and so um, agile on his feet. What a sidestep that guy's got. Um, yeah, and, 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 and a bunch of other players. The question will be now, does, do the Bucks with that incredible defense that they've got, um, uh, which is really stepping up, they believe, that, that Buccaneers team believes now, they believe. And I was interested to see Gronkowski, who's basically the equivalent of Travis Kelsey on, you know, on, the, on, the, on the Buccaneers side. He had a good game as well. Gronkowski's been quiet until now. Now, Gronkowski and Brady are New England Patriots from years back. They know each other like the back of their hand. Um, uh, Gronkowski could have a big say in this game as well. And I just... Um, I'm I'm my I'm going to shade it to the Chiefs. I think it'll be really tight. I think it'll be. Uh, I don't know if it'll be that pretty this game. I think it might be a bit ugly, but I think that the Chiefs will will win it because Mahomes is just a freak. Um, Brady though is. Uh, I mean, the way he got out of the blocks against the um, the Packers was incredible. The, th the first few passes he threw against the Packers really kind of got the Packers 
reeling. They were they were skittled a little bit and a bit all over the place because Brady started so well and so fast and dropped the ball on their on his running backs with such a plomb so quickly. I if he does that against the Chiefs, that's game on. Do you know? Um, so I'm going to shade it to the Chiefs. Um, and what do you, what's what's your th- thoughts on the on on the pick for next week, William? And um, the Chiefs, I think they'll cover anything. I I, I know it's so glib to say this, but um, they're too strong as a team. They're too powerful. They're too quick. Um, I think also they're too inventive yeah. as well. Um, and don't get me wrong, I do not expect the Buccaneers to be a pushover, not one bit. But um, neither were the Bills, and neither of I think most teams the Chiefs have just faced, but they just seem to steamroll them. Yeah, so that's actually not sorry. That's not next weekend. It's my mistake. It's the weekend after, so the first um, the first weekend end in February. So um, yeah, I hope everyone looks forward to enjoying that. Let's move on to. The cricket. Uh, William Sri Lanka played India, uh, England in the second uh, test of a two-test test series, uh, and um, England won it with a bit of comfort in the end. Did you manage to catch um, much of this, William? I did. It was a great, great test match and a great series. Um, it's actually a bit of a shame that there's only two tests, but we do get five to look forward to um, in India, so I'm really looking forward to that in the future. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so what, what were your sort of main takeaways from um, from this test match uh, Sri Lanka-England? Because Sri Lanka started uh, they, had, they, they started uh, our first innings on 381 um, uh, with 110 to uh, Angelo uh, Matthews. England responded um, uh, with a, innings, a good innings response of 344, um, with 100 uh, masterful innings of 186 by Root. Um, then Sri Lanka um, got skittled uh, on the second innings for 126, um, with some uh, was amazing. Um, a couple of bowling performances by Dom Rees, four for 49, and um, Jack Leach, four for 59 which left the door open for England to, to walk through, but it, uh, on a very, very hard-turning um, pitch where spin was, was clearly dominating, um, England were um, up against the ropes for the first little while until Dom Sibley and Joss Butler steadied the ship with 56 and 46 not out, respectively, for England to get across for 164 for four to, to win the match. Um, Joe Root was named Man of the Match and Player of the Series, and uh, yeah, I, it was you know I, as you say, it looked very exciting. And I did, what I did catch of it was very tight. Um, anyone, uh, how do you feel for England going into that series now, um, going into uh, against India? Better, um, I, I think. Better it has to be the word. I think there are obviously certain uh, points and weaknesses. Okay, I'm really really sorry about this. I don't know why my laptop is is so noisy. It must be frustrating you so much. No, it's okay. No, it's actually it's it's fine. It's not it's 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 no problem at all. You, it's been it's been fine. Oh, I'm really annoyed um, at that that because I thought, oh gosh, I have to say something. I'm really sorry. Um, can no, you lead, are you okay to lead in and ask me the question again? Okay. Um, yeah, just um, so uh, so where we uh, so after that series, um, hang on, just let me just compose sorry. myself again. It's okay. Um, so, uh, so the 
England winning that series 2-0, William, how do you feel about their chances as they now head off um, for that series against India? I think you have to be more positive um, about their chances now um, than you would have done before. I know that Sri Lanka may be not the force of all, but they have gone there and they've managed to win two tests. They've had to deal with some adversity to do it, which is always handy. Um, they're not going to go into India cold, which has been a big problem in England series in the past. They go in cold, they lose the first test. Um, yeah. It's an uphill struggle. Yeah. Um, there are positives and there are concerns. A big concern, I think, is the opening pair. Um, Sibley struggled until his much-needed half-century in difficult conditions, to be fair to him, um, in the second test. He's going to be put under a lot of pressure, I think, in India. Um, Zach Crawley never really got going. I wonder if he's really an opener, um, if that makes sense. I, I wonder if um, it might be better to have Burns there. I know that England are going to mix and match as well, um, which I think is understandable given the mental and physical effects of bubbling and playing so much cricket over the last 12 months or so. Um, really, really good. Obviously, they're amazing bowlers and they are probably two of the best England bowlers you ever see. But really good for Anderson and Broad to get such purchase outside um, outside in those pitches, you know, especially pitches that ended up spinning quite a lot. The one worry I sort of have is that without those two, we would not have won the series. Now, you might say that's natural because they're our best bowlers. I worry possibly that if spin decides the series in India, and there's no, it's not necessarily going to be the case. Um, India, by the way, have great fast bowlers anyway. Uh, yeah. We've seen what yeah. um, Mohammed, uh, sorry, not uh, Mohammed, what, uh, Jasper Brumrah can do if he recovers, and you, you might hope that he would. Um, also, we've seen what their younger bowlers can do in India. Um, but the issue I have here is that Bess and Leach were odd and off. Um, Bess is five for in the first things in the first test. Um, all credit to him for taking it, but it was generally assumed that that was down to some pretty poor batting. It became much more of a slog for him as it went on. They have to be better in India, um, all likelihood, if we're going to win that series mm. over there. I don't doubt that they can keep improving. Um, Bess is particularly unexposed. Um, I think Leach is a better bowler than he showed, but that would be my one worry. Um, I think just a couple of other quick takeaways. Joe Root is an extraordinary, extraordinary batsman who we may, we, we maybe don't appreciate possibly enough. There's a bit of Andy Murray about him. In the sense that mm. I think in sort of five, ten years, or well, I think Root's probably got close to a decade more in him, um, potentially. But when they're gone from the playing theatre, we'll suddenly realize how good they were to be at their best in an era where we've had some pretty extraordinary batsmen. The fact, I mean, I know England is a cricketing nation traditionally, but we have a guy who you could put with Williamson, Curley and Smith, who might be one of the best players to spin in the world. And I wonder if we appreciate that enough. Um, because that was as good as I've seen him play. Yeah, I, it looked like a pretty uh, outstanding innings by Root. Uh, I, uh, another player that I, I, I wonder if 
we you won't re- realize or we'll look back in time and think, okay, that guy was actually much better than what we probably possibly thought. Um, is Josh Butler? I, I think that guy is a, a superb batsman, and I think he's probably, by his own admission, on the test front underachieved a little bit. I think he'd be probably the first to admit that too. Um, but when he gets it together, when he if he gets away on an innings, he's a very hard man to get out, Josh Butler. And I think you know, um, I, I, while I wouldn't put him in the same near the same class as Root as a as a test batsman, I think that. Um, yeah, there are some players in that in this England team who, um, who are you know who, who can stand with anyone in the world. Absolutely, can't they? Uh, we do have top class players, and we got players to be proud of. I think Butler had a good series. I think he might be um, going to the sports betting front. He might be value for top run score honors in India um, because, regardless of what yeah. happens to the pitches and the ball there. He should be protected from the worst of it, coming in at sort of five six, um, and yeah, I mean we we've seen it actually in Test matches recently, but players protected from the elements of the new ball um, can do really really well. And Butler was in good nick um, in the bubble test in England. He's clearly got some sort of thought about him in Sri Lanka. I'd be interested in him doing really well um, in the series coming up. Yep, I think so. And I think uh, India, um, yeah, it's England got their work cut out with them. England, India come off a high off a historic um, um, test win in, in Australia. So, you know, when you're beating Australia in your backyard, as we discussed last week, William, I mean, you, your tail's really pretty high. So it'll be tough for England to, to go to India in the backyard and beat them there. But I think it'll be a fascinating test series and one really to look forward to. Okay, uh, let's move on to golf. We had interesting two tournaments uh, taking place, one on the European Tour, the Abu Dhabi Championship, and the American Express on the PGA Tour. Uh, very interesting uh, uh, finish on um, both. Uh, an absolutely dominant final round displayed by Terrell Hatton, uh, he played some sublime golf on the last day. Actually, went round in six under on the final round to win by four shots clear of the field on 18 under par. Um, he were the second place was Jason Scriven of the Australian on 14 under, and third place was McElroy on 13 under. Um, McElroy, I wonder once again, we'll look at that and think. Hang on, what the hell happened there? I was in the lead. Uh, I was at the. I was actually in first place on uh, starting out the final day, and somehow I finished miles off the leader, uh, five shots back off the leader, uh, off the winner, Terrell Hatton. How did how did that happen? Um, now, Terrell Hatton, on his own regard, though, is on some kind of burn on 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 form at the moment. This guy was so strong in finishing out the, uh, a couple of tournaments. He had his first win on the PGA Tour late last year. He went close on a couple of others. The guy is absolutely firing on all cylinders at the moment. And if I would say keep a ring around this guy for major contention this year. Um, do not leave this guy out of your thinking for any of your fantasy golf bets or any kind of uh, long odds anti-post bets for Terrell Hatton because this guy is just striping it at the moment. Um, what are your thoughts, William? Anything yeah, to add? Um, just how impressive Terrell Hatton is. And I sort of wonder... Underrated is a cliche word. It's a really cliche word, right? Um, 
but this guy went, he won the BMW Championship. He pretty much took the field apart, also in the, in the final round. Seemed to have absolutely no nerves at all. Turned it into almost a procession. Done the same in Abu Dhabi. He mm. regularly goes and contends in majors. Mm. He beats up really good fields and does it with very little fuss. And, I mean, I think we're in a rich age of really good golfers. Um, I say that as a semi-observer of the sport who has written about it before from a previewing style. Um, mm. But Hatton's got to be sort of right up there. Um, in, 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 in sort of the... Oh, 100%. I don't know if you use the word gun in New Zealand to describe these sort of clutch players, but, but Hatton's become a bit of a gun, right? Yep. Um, in the sense that he, yep. can, he can see out really big tournaments and do it. Um, with ease, and I just wouldn't be surprised if he would be the sort of person to pick up more than one major um, in the next eighteen to twenty-four months, and do so maybe even at a decent price. The, the markets have a healthy respect for him, but he—I'm he, pretty sure he went off bigger than McIlroy for every major last year that the two played in. Um, I'll be reasonably sure about that. So, now I was just really, really impressed with him. Mm. Um, yeah, there are certain go- there are certain go- it's a very interesting point you raise there, William. There are certain the book bookmakers price up golf fields on names and they gave a cert- they always give a certain amount of gravitas to about a dozen to twenty maximum names that uh, in the game that that they that they price um, you know always a bit shorter than others even if they've not been in the greatest of form they'll still give them the respect and give them the price that uh, you know of a of a kind of a of a fifteen to one or an eighteen to one um, and and obviously some of them are even are even much shorter than that. Um, where, and and Hatton up until now has just kind of been falling outside that uh, that sort of premier group of of golfers uh, and uh, and has been as I say uh, on the majors uh, definitely you know you know twenty five to one sort of thing and better I think um, those days are over I think the the market's kind of caught up with how good Terrell Hatton is the way that he went about winning on Sunday in Abu Dhabi was just imperious and the guy is. Um, it didn't give anyone a sniff, uh, and he is. And he was talking about he, he had some. He was struggling a little bit to the end of last year, and he's had some time with his dad, who's his um, kind of I think his, his coach from from childhood, and and his dad sort of straightened him up on a couple of things to do with uh, on a couple of um, mechanical mechanical sort of things with the swing, and that has just seemed to uh, to seem to great effects. He admits that he said it's been it's been the thing that fixed uh, my little glitch, and I'm and I'm flying now, so. Don't uh, as I, I think you're right, William. Don't expect to um, see that guy drop away anytime soon. And the American Express in La Quinta, California, uh, is, uh, we had a um, a really uh, interesting and, and th- nail biting finish um, with uh, Siwoo Kim coming in at sixty to one um, and, uh, and and finishing on twenty three under, beating by a single stroke. Um, Patrick Cantley, who had a final round 61 and was finishing like a freight train, um, only to really, he just ran out of holes basically. And and see, we Kim uh, had was a few holes behind him and had the chance to just keep it together uh, and uh, and get a birdie along the way on the on the par five sixteenth to 
to sort of see it out really and then he just had to keep it straight and he did and and in third place was Cameron Davis who who I tipped up in my um, weekly golf column for Star Sports uh, and I'm so thrilled that that guy tipped up uh, that that guy came in at 20 to one I'm oh, sorry 70 to one not only because of the fact that he uh, is someone that I just really really like the look of and, and uh, but because of the fact that it's another young gun and player and and as you said before William that golf is in such rude health at the moment there are so many good young players coming through and um so see we'll come in the final round 864 um and 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 he uh that's his third PGA tour win um so he's starting to you know to climb the ladder in terms of PGA tour wins um, Cantley will be will be a bit gutted that he just missed out there, and I think and Cameron Davis had his chance to win as well. He he parred the par five sixteenth when he was on the fairway in two, and all he had to really do was put it on the green, and uh, and he would have at least eagled. Um, sorry, he would have possibly eagled if not birdied, but he stuck it in that cavernous huge bunker beside the green on the sixteenth. It was a bit of a unforced error unfortunately for him and he came out of that was a with a par which kind of scuppered his chances to win otherwise Cameron Davis actually could have won that so um but I'll take the place and I'm, and I'm happy with that and uh and, and I like him again this week he's actually at Torrey Pines this week and that's where I just want to just swing um swing to as well um before I swing it over to you um so and the, this week ahead we've got um, the Dubai Desert Classic and the um and the farmers insurance open. So, uh, William, any sort of thoughts about um, uh, the American Express or or the PGA Tour? Um, I think you summed it up really well. Um, and well done on getting the seventy-one place of Cameron Davis. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I'm happy with that. See, I, 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 I don't. As I say, on my, I, I, as I say, my weekly write write up my golf column where I pick four golfers every week. Uh, and I always pick them each way, and I'm always looking for value. I don't. I could tip out the the Justin Thomases and the John Rams. We all could tip those guys out because they're always going to be there and thereabouts. What we're trying to find is the value. I'm trying to find guys who are, you know, fifty to one, sixty, seventy, eighty, hundred to one, or better, to try and 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 fill those places, or maybe even sneak a you know a sneak a sneaky win. Who have got the quality and the ability to be able to do that, um, and so it's nice to see a plan come together with Cameron Davis because I was watching that guy last year, and I just he just looks quality, uh, the way he swings. Uh, it's game management. He's always been around the leaderboards in the last um, in the last couple of months of last year, and, and already started strong this year. And um, so, I've got another name. Uh, that being said, going forward for this week, so the Dubai Desert Classic. Um, one name for me and the Dubai Desert Classic is Bern Wiesberger. That's not a new name. He's a quality player, and I and I think he. He likes the Dubai um, golf course. It's a short, tight testing track, which will suit Wiesberger's game. So I like Wiesberger. And at Torrey Pines at the Farmers Open, uh, Farmers Insurance Open, I'm going to throw one out. I've got uh, my, my article comes out tomorrow, so I'm not going to give away everyone everything. You have to look on our starsports.bet blog or on my Twitter account to actually see who I um, my my rest of my picks. But one pick I'm going to throw out for the podcast tonight is a guy called Tom Hoagie. 
Tom Hoagie, um, he finished fifth at this event last year. Uh, he is a, another one of these young quality guys that I've said, put a ring around this guy. Uh, and I said it about Davis, Hoagie, and a couple of others. This guy I wrote up at the beginning of the year to watch out for. He's another very, very good player. He's been very consistent late into last year. I think he now understands that he can live with these guys on the PGA Tour, that he's he's not overwhelmed. He can he can do the business. Um, he finished, as I say, a very, very good fifth here last year, fifth alone. And I think um, at 150 to 1 this year, those are great odds. I'm going to take that and uh, as a nice each-way bet. And or it could be a good shout for a top twenty finish or a top ten finish as well. You know, some of those top twenty options, and it could be good value for that. So Tom Hoagie, look out for him, uh, and for the rest of my bets, you'll have to have a look and see who I put, put who we put out in the in the article tomorrow. Um, okay, let's move on to the Premiership, William. Um, a huge week this week in the Premiership uh, um, this week. But let's go back to, it was only a couple of games last week, but those couple of games were big, especially one. Um, Burnley went to Liverpool and beat Liverpool at Liverpool 1-0. That was It was huge, massive. It? Liverpool had been unbeaten at Anfield for 68 games. 68 games. Um to put that yeah. in time um, frame terms, it was, I think, 2017, Crystal Palace were the last club to go and win at Anfield. Um, and indeed, not many had actually managed to go and get a draw of any kind. So, um, huge, huge victory for Burnley. Really sums up um, where Liverpool are at quite well, basically because, and this was actually written really well by Jonathan Liu, um, in the Guardian today, but the joy appears to have gone out of Klopp at Anfield. Now, I don't think this is a terminal thing just yet. I think we're being very hasty if we say it's terminal. Liverpool are being beset by injuries. Um, yes, they have the front three and the full-backs, but they don't have um, any centre-backs, really, apart from Matip, um, who you would, I think, if you were being hard to take, was only their third best centre-back, number one, and definitely not their um, best deep-lying ball player um, in terms of centre-back. Um, they also missing Diogo Jota um, who came in. He scored 9 in 17. Um, his movement was causing problems. His competition for Mino was bringing Firmino to a high standard. Um, and then also, I think they're, they're missing Naby Keita too. They're, they're missing somebody to take the ball from midfield and really drive it and go past people. And you just saw all of that. Um, but here's the interesting thing. Um, and it's just worth thinking about um, when you think about Liverpool long term. They're actually still winning most of their expected goals counts, um, which I just find I just find it interesting um, because it suggests that they're still making chances that they're not uh, that they're unlucky not basically to be putting away really uh, and I, I think if they can keep that if they can maintain that then they can turn things around sort of in the medium to long term although that said um, this is clearly a really big problem and they need to find more of the fluency that they had against Manchester United when they lost 3-2 but they looked much more threatening in general 
Yeah. Um, and let's look at that. You, you, you mentioned uh, Liverpool in terms of uh, some of their stats. Let's just um, look at the table as it stands at the moment. Uh, Manchester United on 40 points, Man City on 38. They've got a game in hand. Uh, Leicester on 38. Liverpool on 34. Tottenham on 33. So long way to go in the season. You know, not panic stations yet by any means, but um, significant uh, result um, you know, for Burnley uh, as well. And their relegation battle, that's a big away win for them. And the team that always, you know, oh, as I said last week, I, they're an ugly team, but I kind of love those guys because they're scrappers. Um, and uh, and then Aston Villa had a, had a good win um, against Newcastle 2-0. Uh, and, and, and Aston Villa looked really uh, a really great setup at the moment. Um, I'm a big fan of Jack Grealish. I, I love the way he plays. He plays. He kind of plays like Patrick Mahomes in the in the NFL in terms of he plays very freestyle and very loose. It plays it like he's playing it in the backyard, and I love that. Um, uh, I, I I really love it, and I think they've really gelled as a team, Aston Villa and um and Newcastle. Well, they seem to be under the pump, and and I and. And and Steve Bruce now is getting the obligatory kind of abuse from his fans and and the Newcastle fans, which I don't really think is that fair. Personally, I know you know I'm not you know I know Newcastle fans will probably think I'm talking rubbish and and tell me to shut up. But I I, I just think he gets a bit of a hard ride. Um, uh, I don't know what your thoughts are, William. Uh, I think there was something about uh, Newcastle having expected goals ratings and expected points ratings that put them down in the bottom three last year. Um, I think in some ways the luck may just be running out a bit. I'd be offensive to them. It's about where you'd have expected them to be without somebody like Benitez there. Um, I I wouldn't have suggested that their hopes were over. There are clearly some decent players there. Um, I think Carl Darlow has done a very good job in goal. Um, Callum Wilson has eight goals for them. I think without them, they'd be pretty much where Sheffield United are, which is saying something. Um, Alan yeah. Maximin's brush with COVID has really hurt them. Um, they missed that vitality. They missed that movement. Um, but aside from that, there just aren't that many players, I think, who give them a real sort of spine and base for the team to work off. And... Um, it looks set to be a very grim end to the season for Newcastle. It does. And then we had the news this week, which was enormous news, of Chelsea sacking Frank Lampard, um, which I just can't believe. I, I'm I, I just I understand that it's a business and he, he had a big lot of money to spend and he got a whole lot of players and he and perhaps they haven't done as well as that they they should have, and that is over to the manager. That is over to him for sure. But man, give the guy a, a, a go, a chance for. I, I I just don't like this culture in football of of uh, and Abramovich is the worst for it of 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 just sacking the manager when it, just even when the results are uh, are indifferent. You know, okay, they've not been great, but God, this guy is Chelsea through and through. He's a legend of the club. He wants to do a good job. He's trying to do a good job. I don't think he's. Um, I don't. I wouldn't say he's failing. I think you know maybe he. It's not going as well as we'd hope. But 
why? What's the point of of getting rid of this guy um, and, and putting in another guy who you're uh, with a brand which is record? You're only going to get rid of in another couple of years, any or year and a half anyway. Um, I, I I don't I don't like it, but that's just my opinion. What, what's your I can opinion, see both William? sides of this. Um, there's a really deep long read from the Athletic, by the way, which is very worth well worth looking into. Um, what went wrong with uh, okay. Lampard at Chelsea, but players were basically complaining about a lack of tactical instruction and um, Lampard apparently didn't want the players he was um, aside. He wanted Rice, Declan Rice, to use as a sort of hybrid centre-back and midfielder amongst other things. I think only Chua was his target. Lots of little things built up. I think this is all a bit more complicated than what we're making it out to be. Um, was Lampard promoted? Yeah, right. I firm believe that he was. But not because I think he was a bad manager, but just because... Um, there's been a trend in recent years of players, especially um, those in midfield, mid- midfield, sorry, who are known for being organisers um, and known for being particularly intelligent, um, like Arteta, like Lampard, like Pirlo, to name three, being put into really big managerial positions. Zidane is another one. That works, though, but I have a theory, which is basically that Madrid needed the man-manager far more than the tactician. Um, for all that I think Zidane has really improved in that area of the game too. I just think it might have been too much too soon, possibly. Um, but that's from a specific point of view regarding Lampard. The other thing here hmm. is that the patience he talked about earlier was a bit interesting because basically, long story short, Chelsea ran into teething problems um, that became bigger and bigger for a couple of reasons. Number one, um, Lampard didn't find his best front four or front five, whatever. Um, you'd want in your head, you'd think, to have Mason Mount and Kai Havertz working together and Hakim Ziyech is all in the same 11. Then you have maybe Mount or Pulisic. And Lampard could never really figure out the best version of that, I didn't think. That hurt him badly, um, especially as at some point you needed somebody to put away the chances that Chelsea were making. And there were a number of games this season where they underperformed, basically, according to the chances that they made. And, and that was always going to come back and bite them, I, I think, on the rear end. And another thing, quickly, before uh, you jump in, is uh, to know is basically that their defensive improvement perhaps wasn't really realistic to maintain and it ended up backfiring a bit. For all that, I agree with um, the, the Lampard finding a chill well. I think he's been mainly really good and they had to get Kepa out. They, they had to. Um, or at least they had to provide him with some proper competition. Yeah, you, you're far more knowledgeable about uh, on football than I, so I'm going to defer to your um, knowledge there because uh, I, I just see it from a from a couch surfer's point of view, and and uh, and actually listening to you talk about it from a more um, uh, from a more tactical standpoint, and from listening to what you hear about these um, some of the comments from perhaps some of the players in terms of the maybe the lack of idea and tactical um, now saw the instruction. Yeah, you, you know you, you've obviously got some some very valid points there. Uh, I'm doing coming at more from a from a gut reaction, but. Um, I do 
agree with you. There were times because I watched uh, I watched Chelsea probably more than I, I watch most teams um, because I, I I find them not uh, you know interesting to watch good teams uh, good team to watch and, and entertaining. Um, and I do agree with you. They were start they there were games in the last month to six weeks where they looked a bit ponderous um, and not quite knowing how to finish uh, those games and actually get you know that goal to kill the game or um, uh, or or, um, or, or you know seize the initiative. So I I, I take your point and I. And, may, and and it is interesting the analogy, as I say, the um, the example you made about the uh, you know some of these young um, wonder players who are now being thrust into really senior management is maybe a bit much and a bit soon. And it was kind of it was a lovely story um, with Lampard. I mean, going, you know, he did well at Derby. Uh, he he kind of gets swept up by his by his you know uh, by his club that he was such a legend for. And uh, and it was was so was such a fairy tale, and now it's it's ended in, in tears on the floor. But um, you know that that's the world of professional football, and 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 these things happen. Um, uh, what I, I let, before we go on to the FA Cup, um, I just want to um, to as I say, I want to talk about a couple of things. Uh, I want to look at the as I say, look at that table again, and just have a little chat about that. But before we do that, I just want to also um, say that. Star Sports have got a, a fantastic actual offer uh, built around the Premier League um, where you can actually have, you have a free um, tipping challenge. Um, uh, well, Star Sports have a free tipping challenge on this weekend's Premier League matches. So you have a chance to win £200, uh, a £200 free bet with Star Sports and, and plenty of £10 bonus chances. And that's free. Uh, so it doesn't cost you a bean. You can uh, enter in the stars, um, as I said, the, the website before, uh, www.starsports.bet. Uh, you can enter the, um, uh, the tipping challenge for free and uh, have a chance of winning £200. So go for it. Um, let's um, say, before we move on to the FA Cup, uh, I just want to uh, talk about the, the table um, and, what, and what your thoughts are um, uh, with um, Man United at the top of the table. Yeah, it's been a while, been a hasn't while. it? Um, I'm not going to pretend to claim to know the last time they were top of the league. Um, but I Me think neither. it's testament no. to... It, it's testament partly to the club's faith in Ola Gunnar Solskjaer. Um, how much of it is faith exactly, I don't know. But I, I also think it's testament to the buy-in that the club seems to have with him, um, from the dressing room also to the senior management. And what United are doing, actually, yeah. I think works for sort of COVID football. Um, football since the return, um, the great return I was talking about, I think, on episode one, has been rather chaotic. Um, there's been a lot of... <laughs> I'd say sort of structural deficits in the sense that um, we're seeing funnier results, not just in general, but I think also we're seeing um, some players really feel the effects of playing so much football, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we're seeing in general, I think a more chaotic um, style of play, especially perhaps without fans. And it'll be interesting to see if God willing, when the fans return that changes. And, and also I think we're seeing, Lots of games, basically, or lots more games, at least I can remember, being decided by players in key moments. And I think less games are sort of being controlled necessarily. 
there might be reasons for that. Um, I think possibly the sense that games are much more neutral now, where well, they are neutral, there are no fans, etc., um, might be one. And I, I could possibly just be speaking complete nonsense, but I think this sort of way of playing suits United. I think also Solskjaer deserves credit for managing, it seems like, to forge a way of United playing with the majority of the ball. I don't think they're amazing against the low block, but they're becoming more effective now. And listen, this, this could all revert quickly. Um, they could begin to regress to the mean in terms of performances or whatever, but they're finding a way each and every week. And that is something that Man City apart, and that was something they were struggling to do for a long period of time. Um, just hasn't been happening for other teams. Yeah. I'm going to tell you what I think about Man United and, and why you give me a whole lot of reasons. I'm just I'm going to put it down to um, to to man um, uh, manpower and the manpower I'm talking about is um, Fernandez. But and people are saying that and that's no great news. Everyone knows he's a brilliant player. But here's a player who I think is actually more as influential, if more if not more so, and and has actually injected that Man United with a kind of a steel and resolve that I haven't seen for years. And that's Edison Cavani. I think that guy is absolutely bloody brilliant. I think he is incredible. He is such a competitor. He uh, he's so beautiful to watch. Uh, he's like an old style striker. He's he ghosts around the field for a big guy. He gets away from his markers all the time. Uh, he's not. Uh, he doesn't throw himself on the floor every five seconds. He wants to compete. He wants to score goals. I love watching Cavani play. I think he is. I think he's also pulled up Pogba with him. I think Pogba. Uh, I mean Pogba at, at the moment. He's finally playing like the way that we all know that because we've watched him play that way for France, and he's a freak. The guy's incredible, and the goal, a goal he scored uh, the other day. I can't remember the game. It was absolutely stunning, and uh, he's got so much power in that boot of his Pogba. When he hits it, it just stays hit. He's he's so Pogba is enjoying his football. Finally, it's lovely to see Pogba enjoying it. Um, uh, um, Rashford is on in, in, in flying form as per. He's the ultimate professional. I, I, I think he's just wonderful to watch play. He gives one hundred and ten percent every game he plays, and finally, he's actually starting to be used, and and uh, and, and that's great. Um, but Cavani, oh, I I just I, I am having a bit of a bromance with that Cavani. I, I love him. Yep. Um... Looking like a really clever buy, um, the sort of buy I bet other teams are wishing that they'd made. Um, and actually, he sort of works in the sense that he can provide a contrast to Greenwood or Martial through the middle when they're struggling. Um, and Martial has been struggling recently, and Greenwood yeah. has gone a bit cold, although that's fine, he's a really young player, um, and he will eventually turn hot again. But I think that was a really smart bit of business, obviously, in hindsight. I think United are benefiting from a sort of healthier culture around the club because they bought themselves time. Um, you notice how people are noticing Luke Shaw is playing well. Um, you notice, um, yeah, you also notice that, that yeah. there's much less focus on the goalkeepers. Um, De Gea was getting it in the neck. Um, I'm pretty sure he's got to be in a better frame of mind now. Also, um, Harry Maguire... This is nothing against Harry Maguire. If anything, it's in praise of him. When was the last time you heard about Harry Maguire? 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's a very good point. No, I haven't heard about Harry Maguire for ages and how rubbish he is and all of that sort of stuff. He's all of a sudden he's be, he's become uh, you know a central man in the back line and and no one's talking crap about him anymore. Yeah. Um, let's um let's move on to the FA Cup now. Um, and it was an interesting weekend. Uh, I'm just going to run through um some of the results here uh, and um, so we had Southampton um, end Arsenal's the defending FA Cup champions Arsenal's dreams, they beat them 1-0 Brighton beat Blackpool 2-1 uh, Bristol City rolled Millwall 3-0, uh, Barnsley beat Norwich 1-0 um, Sheffield United uh, beat uh, beg your pardon, Sheffield United beat Plymouth Argyle 2-1, uh, West Ham rolled Doncaster 4-0 Swansea rolled Nottingham Forest 5-1. Um, Man City left it late, um, but le- um, beat Cheltenham uh, 3-1. Um, le- Chelsea um, were too classy for Luton 3-1. Um, Burnley um, did a great result, uh, and, and they were actually um, the outsiders in this game because I actually profited from this because I thought they looked a bit long, uh, and, uh, and they um, were too classy for Fulham 3-0. And um, we can't say that about Burnley too many times. Uh, Leicester um, were uh, for Brentford 3-1. And the game of the weekend, um, Man United rolled Liverpool 3-2 in a, in a cracking game. Um, and then Everton, uh, too good for Sheffield United. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday, I beg your pardon, 3-0. And, um, and Tottenham put away Wickham 4-1. And tonight, as we speak, um, Bournemouth are playing Crawley Town. I don't know what the result is so far. Uh, yes, um, just quickly on the FA Cup, I think the competition actually has done really well this year, and I love the FA Cup, I really, really do, I think it gets Me such too. a bad rap for yeah. no reason, for no earthly reason, I still believe there's plenty of magic there, and if anything actually, it sort of defied my pessimistic predictions for it, because even without fans, it's retained the magic, people buying virtual Tickets for Marine FC and Wickham and um, Chorley just proves that there's still that little bit of sparkle in the game. So huge thanks to everybody connected with it. Um, in terms of the likelihood of a winner, we're going to see some big matches pretty soon. But I would not be surprised if there was a winner from outside the traditional big six this year. I know that people try and find one um, each year and it never happens. But... Um, assuming that you can play European football, we're going to have a massive, massive fixture crush um, at some point in the next um, couple of months. And we've yeah. got the fifth rounds in the quarterfinals, which are going to pretty directly impact upon club schedules, both in terms of the Champions League and the Europa League, and also teams going for the title. Well, even just... Um, the top four, you know, how many clubs are in with a realistic shout in the top four as we speak? It's got to be at least eight or nine, um, purely points. The yep. six Arsenal yep. excluded, maybe Aston Villa, West Ham went forth with a win this evening. Um, there's going to be a lot on the plate, um, for clubs, and there'll be some tough decisions, I think, that will have to be made. So easy to see a Southampton or a West Ham going really far, or an Everton. Um, who we haven't touched upon, but they've won five of their last six Premier League games, I think, and um, they were much better against Sheffield Wednesday than they were against, uh, I think it was Rotherham um, in round three. So we could still mm. see some cup sets, even if they're more minor ones. 
Yep, I lo- I'm I'm with you, William. I absolutely love the FA Cup. It's uh, and I think a lot of people do because of it's. We're all romantics at heart, aren't we? Um, well, at least most of us are. Um, and and I, I just there's just so much romance about the FA Cup and and the and the fact that you lose and you're out. Well, that's great. And I love this thing where you don't have to go back and have the return tie. I hope they keep that going. I think get them done. Like uh, get. I know that the the other teams. A smaller team benefits a lot from a gate if they get that big team coming back. If they draw them away and then they come back to their place and and they and they benefit financially, I I get that. But surely there must be a way to recompense those teams, and we actually just have this competition. Like I'm I'm probably screaming into the wind. It's not. It's probably not going to happen. But I like the way it's going. That you you basically win or lose on the night, and we carry on. And and just that's um, uh, something I wanted to just run through as well quickly. You were talking about those about the games coming up and that big crash. Well, here's the fifth round fixture list. So Everton have got Tottenham at home. Wolves play Southampton. Swansea play Man City. Leicester play Brighton. Burnley play either Bournemouth or Crawley, uh, Crawley Town. Manchester United play West Ham. So that's that. there's a game, as you say, for West Ham, who are, as you say, are, are, are flying at the moment along with Everton. Um, Sheffield United play Bristol City and Barnsley play Chelsea. So that's the FA Cup coming up. I think it's in the in the first week of uh, first week of February or the second week of February. So we're we're looking at some interesting ties in that in that um, in that game. And for what it's worth, for me, as you said, um, it might be outside the, the big boys. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say Burnley go deep this year. I just have a feeling. But that's just um, that's just me. What about you? Anyone that, that you like um, uh, listening to that fixture list, and anyone that you like maybe uh, as a I went threefold um, initially in the FA Cup and put up on the Star website. I put up Everton, Southampton, and West Ham. They've got yeah, oh, they've got much well. tougher draws yeah. now, but I'd still be reasonably hopeful. Southampton have done really well um, this season. Their squad's a bit thinner than most, but you'd say you'd have a puncher's chance against a Wolves side that has had plenty, plenty of injuries, unfortunately, for them, including two none other than Raul Menez. Um, Beating Tottenham's going to be harder for Everton. Mm. It is. Um, uh, Sorry, Everton have looked really good in parts of the season, but so have Tottenham. Um, I think they're going to be definite underdogs in that. But again, I'd give them a puncher's chance of at least landing a blow. as to West Ham, going to United, unfortunately, I think it's going to be difficult. It's going to be a step beyond them. I would have said, I think mm. United probably have the best chance from here on out. Side suited to cup football, reasonable amount of depth, mm. out of the Champions League. They'll be going for the title, but when you have a sort of front six of players, that includes... Um, Van der Beek and Greenwood and Marshall as potential second choices, or we can slot with Cavani, etc. That gives you a puncher's chance. Um, for all that, West Ham would have nothing to fear um, from going there. So it's shaping up to be a very exciting um, tournament. I mean, of course, there's the ace and hole Man City, who <clears throat> could mm. just obliterate everybody and who are playing the best football in England yeah. right now. But, but, but. Has 
got to be a chance that this clash um, at some point comes up against the Champions League if it's still going. And we, we know where Guardiola's loyalty lie now um, in terms of that competition. We, we know what he wants. He's had everything up in the Champions League, and I don't doubt that he'll yeah. sell changes made. Yeah. All right. Uh, and to finish, we're going to talk a little bit of Six Nations rugby. So uh, the f- first round of the Six Nations begins this weekend. Uh, I'm very, very interested to see this competition this year and see where these teams are. You know, obviously, there's been a huge amount of disruption, and it'll be a shame not to have the crowds uh, for these games, as as with all these sports. But I'm very interested to see where you know where these teams are, um, and I think this could be a very interesting competition. So um, Saturday at two fifteen, we've got Italy taking on France. Saturday at four forty five, we've got England taking on Scotland, and Sunday at three o'clock. We've got Wales v Ireland. Uh, yeah, um, I mean, hopefully this all goes ahead. My thought is that we could see some of the real effects of the sporting calendar as we have done in football. Um, England is suffering with a few injuries. I think only Ellis Gen just left at tight head. Watch that situation closely. Punting um, advice here: do your team research. Um, make sure you know who's playing. Make sure you know what the second and third options are. The Six Nations are routinely brutal. You really do go through um, sometimes half a squad, possibly. Uh, we've seen it before. Ireland, I remember, famous mm. case, went really well in their first game. I think this was on Declan Kidney. I think it was 20, 2013, I want to say, or something like that. Um, but yeah. they went for their first two games. They beat Wales yeah. first up. Um, they looked so good when doing it. Then half the team came a cropper. Lost to Italy, I think it was in round five or round six. It can happen. This is going to be a very intense short tournament. Um, my feeling is that England would be favourites marginally, especially if they get to play France at home. But my gosh, um, there's a bit of an injury crisis, and we are lacking coaches at the moment because Eddie Jones and I think his assistants had to self-isolate we're going to be really throwing together a team for the opening round that's if it goes off on time your best bet i think probably is france this moment even though they've been missing in in tamek quite a bit um but generally speaking i think there can be value to be found in the game in playing handicaps also possibly doing stuff like backing to lay the draw as well um so the six nations definitely want to keep an eye on um, both from a sporting and punting perspective. Yeah, I uh, looking at it. Uh, I think France are on the rebuild. Um, they have been for a while now, and they and they look like the f- sort of French teams of old, of their heydays, which is great to see. Because I think everyone, as a as a neutral, even rugby fan, everyone loves to see uh, a France team in, in kind of good heart because it's good for the game and it's good for the Northern Hemisphere game because they play with such joie de vivre, as they say. Um, so that I, I like watching France play and I like to see them um, in good heart. They've been this, they've been in the doldrums for a number of years and it's nice to see them pulling up out of that and actually playing with a bit of pride. Um, England, uh, yeah, I. I I, I it, I'm very very impressed with this um, with this England team the way it's kind of coming together as you say they're a little bit beset by injury at the moment and they got 
completely rolled by South Africa in that World Cup, which I which I still think probably hurts them to this day. And I, I think that they are a better team than and that they showed on that final. And I think that they'll be too good for Scotland, who are they're getting they're, they're getting there. Scotland, they're they're always that kind of team that snatches defeat out of the jaws of victory. Uh, and and always seem to be a hearty kind of um, opponent for anyone, and and they have been they are more of a tough prospect than what they what they have been in recent years, England, uh, Scotland, and so they're no easy beats, uh, and uh, that that should be a good willing encounter. And the last one, Wales Ireland in the first round, Ireland for me, uh, I live in Ireland, I, I see a lot of Irish um, you know rugby, and uh, and and this you know to say these guys punch above their weight is such a cliche, but it's so true because. There's this thing of Gaelic football and hurling in Ireland. So half of the Ireland's crazy about Gaelic football and hurling. It's their own two national games. They're absolutely passionate about it. There's so many players, young men in, in in Ireland that play Gaelic football and hurling. It's an amateur game. Both of them are amateur games. And um, and and so. If you take away all those players that play Gaelic football and hurling away from the potential pool of rugby players that they could um, pull on, uh, what they've achieved in rugby is it makes it even more impressive um, con- considering that they've got uh, it's a very big um, football culture as well. So they've got a lot of young footballers playing. They've got a lot of Gaelic football and hurlers and all that. And so they've got this very limited um, pool to pull from and um, or to, to draw from in, in, in their sportsmen that are left that want to play rugby. And and, and yet year after year, they, they, they get better and better. They rolled us, uh, the All Blacks, um, you know, uh, last year uh, and and twice actually they rolled us in Chicago then they rolled us in Dublin and so I'm always hugely uh, I've got a huge amount of admiration for the Irish team but I think the Irish team is is, is a team on the decline at the moment um, I think Johnny Sexton is coming to the end of the road and he's been a great student for Irish rugby but I think now's the time for Ireland to find their new blood um, to, to blood their new players to find their new guys um, and I and I have the same admiration for Wales as well. Um, you know, an amazing team uh, of players, and always such a passionate team, uh, who always roll. You know, the big boys. Uh, you know, when they when they're not expected to, or, or, or give them a bloody good game. And so, I think Wales will. You know, they'll they'll be there and thereabouts this year as well. Um, but I think we'll all learn a lot. From the first round, I think it. I think your thing of of telling the sort of like the punters to watch out for who's in the team rosters and all that's a very good piece of good advice because I don't. I, I think there'll be a lot of new young players being blooded in this tournament, and so it could be some names for the future, and um, and it should be great to watch. I, I'm hoping that um, you know that they run it about a bit, and we and we you know we get to watch some really great rugby because. Um, I think all these teams should be using this now as a rebuilding phase for the next World Cup. Yeah, I agree with all of that. Um, yeah. Um, okay, William. So just to finish up, um, I, have you got any uh, anything that we've missed or gone over here or anything that you've any other sort of thoughts and observations from the sporting week or the weeks ahead? Uh, anything that you want to throw out there or anything that you've observed Actually, no, that you want to um, comment I think on? We've covered everything really really well I just want to cover two just two last things and that is the UFC the McGregor Puyere fight or Puyere fight however the hell you say his name 
I, I don't watch UFC. I'm not a huge UFC fan. Um, I'll watch it if, if, if it's on, but I'm, I'm, it's not something I'm drawn to. Um, I'm, I, I, but I have to say one thing, make, make one comment. It was really nice to see two fighters actually respect each other before and after the fight. Uh, I'm so sick of watching these um, boxers and UFC fighters kind of trash talk each other to hype up the fight and sell tickets. I, I get all of that. I know it's a business and, and, and it's all an act, but I don't, I get tired of it. I think it's boring. And I really, really like seeing these um, Puyoria and McGregor shake hands, give each other respect, talk well of each other before and after the fight. Um I just think that's so nice, and it's nice to see, and it just shows you don't have to be an asshole to be a hard guy. You know, you can be you can be nice, and you can and 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 I think that was really that was really nice because I think you know they both gave each other respect that they were due, and I hope that other you know the other other fighters you know, maybe Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury. That's a big fight coming up. I'll be interested to see how those two guys kind of react with each other um, going forward down the line, and. One more thing I just want to say: um, if you're up late at night and you and you want to watch uh, watch something completely different, um, uh, at the moment is the America's Cup qualifying series being sailed off the Waitemata Harbour in Auckland at the moment, and it is the most remarkable thing to watch. These guys are sailing boats that are not your conventional sailboats. These things are like Formula One cars on water. They travel at enormous speeds. Like the, the, the motorboats behind them are, are struggling to keep up. Uh, and so it's all carbon fiber and, and, and wind, um, you know, aerodynamics. And these guys look like more like racing car drivers than they do the sailors. So um, uh, the uh, Inos, Inos um, the team Great Britain, have actually just got through to the Prada Series final where they actually will be sailing to... Uh, to compete for the America's Cup. So um, Ben Ainsley's done really well with Team GB there uh, and, there's, uh, and, and the boat's called Britannia. And, but it's not like a big old barge. This thing is a rocket ship. So if you want to watch something really interesting and different, um, get on to Sky Sports. Um, the next, the, next uh, the, the other final to see who actually, um, who the team that, um, that go against Britain for the um, Challengers final is coming up over the next couple of days. Set it to record, even if it's on quite late. It's on like about one in the, or 12, 12 o'clock at night, sort of thing, one in the morning. Set it on record and watch it the next day. It is so much fun to watch. It's so quick and it's high speed and high adrenaline and, um, and really cool. All right. So that's uh that's it uh i want to thank william for kajani from for from star sports for coming along once again and, and joining me and and just and just talking sport and uh, uh i really appreciate your your insight and your time william and um can't wait for it thank you very much next tuesday thanks mate